You are listening to NH Unscripted and probably about to hear another record-breaking episode. And just like Underdog's alter ego, Shoeshine Boy, I am your humble and lovable host, Ray Dudley. Very humble, very lovable. Yeah, yeah. We are coming to you from the um, incredibly... Uh, opulent digs of the WKXL studios in Concord overseeing the city you can probably find hang on let me get out my transistor radio here <laughs> uh, let me put in my earplug let me turn it on to AM and let's see 1370 14:50 AM is correct on the AM band let me flip over here for a second to the FM band yeah, let's see. We got 103, 103.9 FM in Concord. Yes, you happy listeners. For those of you in Manchester, you can find us at 101.9 FM, but you knew that, didn't you? For those of you who don't own a transistor radio like mine, don't be jealous. There's a URL for you. You can find this show and all the other great ones at nhtalkradio.com. I need to take a moment just to thank my sponsor. Merry Christmas to those folks at Lakes Region Fence up in Guilford. LRFence.com. LRFence.com. Come on, folks. It's Christmas time. Break down. Take some of those bonus checks. Look out your window. You see that piece of garbage that's leaning over there that you're calling a fence? Get rid of that thing. Go out to LRFence.com. You can get a, a free estimate out there. I'm telling you, you know what? Here's a good Christmas Eve tip. Put on your Santa suit. Get an adult beverage. Go out to LRFence.com and spend hours with your favorite person just perusing the site. Their fence work is like art. I'm telling you. Go out there. LRFence.com. We love you, Matt and the gang up there. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to them. Well, I have been double teamed today. I invited one person and then like some kind of a WWE event. I suddenly find someone else coming off the ropes. They're going to tag team me today. Mark Mirai, Hello. welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, I've been looking at you for a long time. Right. Now, it seems to me you brought in some heavyweight here. Let's <laughs> check. Good morning. Who's that? Let's not talk about my weight. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Pernard. Great to be back. Ah. Thank you, Mark, for inviting me. No, yeah, thanks yeah. for coming. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Mark, for inviting <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, we all appreciate I, that. I'm like Peppermint Patty, right, in Charlie on Thanksgiving. <laughs> hey, Chuck, you mind if I bring my friend Frank? Guess what? Marcy can come, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear the theme right now in my head. Mark, I wanted to talk to you um, about several things, if you don't mind. Can Absolutely. you give us a – Mark is an actor, and what else? What Producer, pro director, dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> New dog owner. Oh, okay. We'll have to get into that one later. In fact, I'm pulling up the LRFence.com site so that I can See? find a fence because we're going to need a fence. It's magic. <laughs> it works. Out of my mouth. So, yeah, that's those are all the things. And, I, and recently, I have um, graduated with a degree in cyber, a Bachelor of Science in Cybersecurity from Champlain um, College up what? in Burlington, Vermont. Cybersecurity? Yes. What does that entail? Before we get into your background, <laughs> oh, it entails, it entails a lot, like hacking and 
um, ethical hacking. If you, you know, they, they actually have a class called ethical hacking um, because you do have to have ethical hackers in the world of cybersecurity. Um, one of my favorite courses was, I think it was a PC forensics course where we were given a hard drive and we had to, like, as if we were investigating a crime, we had to recover evidence from it. And I recovered so much evidence, the uh, professor <laughs> held up my, he still uses it today, held up my, my final, and he said, Mark Murray has found more evidence than anybody will ever find on this <laughs> stuff that maybe they final. shouldn't have found so, I mean, what's so out there? Was, and still he uses that just he's like nobody will ever surpass the amount of evidence that mark Murray recovered from that's this incredible so, do you have so to get down like to like that. the assembly language uh, level of all that stuff no just, not for that class that that would be because this was when i was still at manchester community college uh, where i started my my path to my degree but dang okay Enough of that. Yes. Enough of that. I need to get on to why I invited you. Are you from California? I am from Monterey Park, California. You are? Yes. And how did you migrate out here? First of all, did you do theater out there? I did. I, I was in the first graduating class of the Los Angeles County High School for the Arts, which is located on the Cal State LA campus. So that's, I've, been, I've been acting since seventh grade and performing since the fourth grade i started playing trumpet in the fourth grade interesting and you can chip in anytime brother yeah. lots of parallels there you go i yeah. gave my first show in seventh grade and i played trumpet so oh, what nice. i'm learning awesome. lots of cool what? stuff awesome. about i can today. play the spoons periodically if i'm drunk enough maybe uh <laughs> oh man yeah love music so what actually gave you the bug? What what did you see or so, feel or you like? I actually remember. I, I remember the exact moment when I decided that acting was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So, I was in fifth grade. <clears throat> my next door neighbor, uh, my next door neighbor, and his mom took me and my sister to go see the musical Barnum at the Pantages Theater in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, it was starring Jim Dale and Glenn Close as Charity Barnum, but. The day we saw it, it was actually a Terrence Mann was his understudy, so he was playing Barnum. And at the end of Come Follow the Band, I remember the, the band members coming down the aisles. I was in fifth row, fifth row center. Band members coming down the aisles, coming up on the stage. I remember the end of that song with like uh, the confetti and the things going off and, and Terrence Mann standing there with his arms up. And at that moment, I, I looked up and I was thinking, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> like this, I want to yeah. be him. <laughs> and and you ended up. I, I, mean, I ended up playing the role. Yeah, it was a bucket yeah, list yeah. role. I, I had the the fortune to play it twice here in New Hampshire. So first of all, I can't believe you squeezed that into the the hat box. To be honest with you. I mean, that. <laughs> well, I didn't squeeze it in there. Uh, Brian Helper and, and Andrew squeezed it in there. Oh my god! Oh my god! That it was, was <laughs> that was incredible. It was a beautiful show. It was. It, it is a beautiful. I had never show. seen it. And, oh, you'd never seen it. No, oh, not wow. until that one. And I'm like, well, man, what is going on here? <laughs> I think the closest thing I had seen to it was uh, Hugh Jackman's The Greatest Showman. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. that movie. Oh, my, my <laughs> wife's got it on replay. Oh, yeah. Just sits there in the background, just wearing out. The... I hope they changed. I hope they turned that into a Broadway musical. Why wouldn't they? Be, right? Wouldn't it be a money I mean, maker? That would be such a great Broadway musical. Oh, my God. It's just a matter of time. Right. Yeah. Mark did a remarkable job in Barnum. I mean, I, oh, when, when we were Understatement uh, alert. holding auditions and everything, you know, Mark just had the look. He had the feel. He had the energy. And, yeah. And really 
really, you know, between him and uh, Sheree Owens, who was yeah. the charity in our production, it was the first major musical in the space. And it was really great to introduce audiences to, again, unamplified song. Yeah. So you were listening yes. to human beings. And they really did. The whole production was spectacular. It, was. it won awards for a oh, yeah, number yeah. in a number of different areas. Including uh, Best Musical. Best Musical for the state. And um, Sheree won Best Sheree Actress. Won, yeah. yeah. And it there was, was lots of... Uh, <clears throat> It was for it. such a that was such an incredible cast, such a great ensemble, who you know stepped stepped up and did whatever you know, like learned how to juggle, and it was just great. You yeah. know, it's funny when I was watching it, I had this experience of being both removed and in. Yeah, it was really kind of an odd feeling because at sometimes everything was so big <laughs> and you're like caught up in it, and then there's these other times where it was so intimate that you're like drawn right mm-hmm. in. It was a pretty fascinating paradox, I'll tell yeah. you. Yeah. And we were really fortunate to have a great team working on yeah. that. The Halperins were, Absolutely. you know, Brian was directing and Johanna was helping with props and, and things behind the scenes. And we had costumer Lynn Head, who has been yeah. with almost every Hatbox production and Three Witches production. And then, again, the cast. Everybody came yeah. to it with a real huge How big energy. was that cast? Uh, I want to say it was 13. Yeah? Yeah. Not as big as a, the next musical that was in the space. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one also. Uh, which uh, was 1776 the next <laughs> yeah. year, which was some little production company. I'm trying to remember what Mamu, <laughs> Mamu Productions, Productions, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah Mark uh, produced the next musical, and it, it remains the second highest uh, ticket sales wow. uh, in Hatbox wow. history. Well, Dude, and that one had 24, 24 cast members. We had the Vaseline people down so we could <laughs> yeah. get them into the building. But they were so what I loved, what I loved about doing 1776 in that space, I, I produced and directed. What I loved about it is we, I wanted to turn it into the Second Continental Congress, so that when audiences came in yeah. and sat down, they felt like they were part of the Second Continental Congress and that they were involved in in debating and uh, you know discussing the Declaration of Independence and and the most incredible thing. I, it wasn't my idea. Somebody in the cast, I think, came up with this idea. Maybe it was me. No, somebody else. So we got we had huge um, copies of the Declaration of Independence produced, but without the signatures. And then we, after each production, each show, the audience could line up and they could sign the Declaration of Independence on their way out. Oh, I don't and, remember that. And ev- like so many people did it. And it was so amazing. And it was amazing to see how many people wanted to do that on their way out. Hang on to that. We're going to put a pin in it. Man, we've barely started. My God, it's time for ribbon candy and Lynch chocolates. It's Christmas time and New Year's. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your lovable host, Ray Dudley, getting handsomer by the minute, of course. You, we are coming to you from the not overly ostentatious digs of the bunkers of the WKXL Studios, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, 101.9 FM for the happy, happy, happy souls in Manchester. NHTalkRadio.com is the URL. We're coming right back, of course. We are back. Yes, yes, yes. You know, the sign said long-haired freaky people need not apply. Yeah, you might get that reference. 
You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your happy-to-be-out-of-the-home host, where we're only having mashed bananas and applesauce today, because some of us are a little low on teeth. Hey, that's a private thing. We are coming to you from the mountaintop digs of the WKXL Studios, high above the city of Concord, overlooking this gorgeous city. We are, you can probably hear us on 1450 AM. Yeah, I know you can. I know you can. I know for a fact. 103.9 FM, both of those are Concord. 101.9 FM in Manchester. The URL. All right. It's nhtalkradio.com. There are archives out there as well as a button so you can listen to us live. This show comes to you every Wednesday and Friday, 9 a.m. Yeah, we got traffic, baby. We are. We got drive time. Okay. Done with that. In the studio with me today is Mark Mirai, Andrew Pennard. We are just chatting away the time. Let's talk about the impact of the loss of the Hatbox Theater, the potential loss of the Hatbox Theater. That's Andrew, go ahead, Mark. Did you have something? No, no, no. It's, it's a tragedy. It's, it's going to leave such a huge, huge um, void in the theater community here Why? in New Hampshire. Why? Because, in my mind, the Hatbox Theater and Andrew Pernard has done more for local theater artists than anybody else in the state. The Hatbox is a place where anyone can come and pitch a show and an idea, and it's the only place where you'll where a lot of these shows you would never see anywhere else except the Hatbox Theater, and just the how much it is enriched not just the Concord community but the state and the arts community it's just such a tragedy that the powers that be did not step up to go to bat for the Hatbox Theater when it was announced that that old mall was being sold and redeveloped I'm with you I'm with you Andrew those are big shoes to fill brother yeah that's very kind of you to say Um, you know this didn't spring uh, you know, out of my head, unanointed. This came from lots of experiences in lots of other venues mm-hmm. um, that have some of which have done this type of model, and some of which have inspired my love for this type of a space. The proximal, <coughs> having the proximity of your audience, uh, basically on stage with you, the ability to basically see and be impacted by the impact you're having on them as a performer. But Mark and I actually uh, met, I think, in part because of another theater that mm-hmm. was closing. Um, I was running a um, a weekly magic show out of the lower, the, the basement theater of the Ioka Theater in Exeter, and we were doing Saturday morning shows there. Well, how was, long ago was this? Uh, this uh, 2008, 2009. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, I ran it for a year. In fact, we were the last performance in the Ioka. <coughs> um, we were doing shows down in the basement, and they were doing movies upstairs. The, the basement was a kind of a nightclub space. It was a really cool space. It was a really cool space. Yeah, and they had a lot of uh, varied types of events in the space, spoken word, comedy, improv, things of that nature, in addition to the movies that they were having. And, the, and it was a really neat space. And I was uh, exploring working in the seacoast, and I had come across the Ioka driving through and doing shows in the area. And so we, I pitched the business owner at the time. His name was Roger. Roger. And, uh, you know, he, he was open to me performing in the basement. And then 
you know, that was a situation where, again, it, it was a small community, a relatively small community, and it was uh, a, a historic property, unlike the Hatbox, which is, uh, you know, while it is historic, the now, mall yeah. opened in 1990. It wasn't an official historic Thing. That's that was part of the problem. Yeah, it wasn't on the national yeah, registry yeah. or anything of that nature. But you know, he had put in a lot of money and a lot of time in trying to get this yeah. space up and running. And uh, you know, it just for whatever reason, it, the overhead cost more than the support that they were getting on the ground. And Mark stepped in uh, with a group of community people to try to uh, save the Ioka. And mm-hmm. you can talk more about that, Mark. Yeah, I, I, we raised. We launched the Save the Ioka campaign. We raised. We needed fifteen thousand dollars. Was the, I met Roger? I'm still friends with Roger Detzler today. Um, Doesn't seem like a lot of money. <clears throat> fifteen grand. Uh, it was when you're starting from zero. Yeah, yeah. But I but know, for fifteen thousand dollars, that would buy us if if I, we could raise fifteen thousand dollars to get to Roger and the other owner, the co-owner of the Ioka, that would give us time. You know that he wouldn't entertain any other people coming in to try and buy it out from under us or. Um, so it gave us time that we needed to raise the funds and to get the community behind it. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, the people that needed to step up in the community did not. <laughs> Re- really? It's you, sad. You're saying you did, you did not raise 15 grand? Well, we, we raised the you 15 did. grand. Okay. So we got that we bought we bought ourselves some time, but then you know we needed to raise a quite a bit more to actually purchase uh, the building you. and got then you. to renovate it, and that never materialized. Um, which was sad, really sad. And I think they've since it it had gotten sold to another developer who had ideas of what to do in the building, and I think ultimately it was going to get carved up to apartments. Oh, oh yeah, God. yeah. Now Please. it's a brewery and, and oh. uh, well, the brewery okay. I, can go. I think it's good. I mean, you have to every property gets redeveloped mm-hmm. as the uses change and the desires change and things I of that know, nature. Um, and I, I don't think that, um, and we talked about this at a recent producers meeting at Hatbox, that a theater is uh, essentially a space. You can do performances anywhere. It's about the community of people who do it. But you do need a space to mm-hmm. do it in. Yeah. And part of what you want to do as a space is to make it as inviting and as um, outfitted as you can make it to make it easy to do really great work. You know, you, you can do good work with nothing, mm-hmm. but you can really uh, have a, a bigger <coughs> impact if you make certain aspects of it easier. So, yeah. And I had also uh, been introduced to Mark because um, he was doing some educational theater. You at guys Stark go way Regional back. I didn't realize so. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, was, I was I was the a long-term sub for the theater teacher at John Stark Regional High School in Ware, New Hampshire. She was on maternity leave. And I had never taught a day in my life. And for some reason, they chose to hire me over a couple of other people that actually had teaching credentials. And it was, I had such a great experience. I learned so much from those kids. I, I mean, I learned more from the kids than I'm sure they learned from me. But, I, you know, it, I felt like Jack Black in the movie uh, School of Rock. Yes, I literally yes. show up on day one, like, all right, I'm a high school theater teacher now. <laughs> my, my wife was teaching there that's and was right. supporting yes. the yeah. She was awesome. And so, I mean, it's kind of interesting how that's all come together. And again, the theater community in New Hampshire is, even though there's a lot of activity in a lot of different places, there's a lot of opportunity for cross-pollinization. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the, I think, one of the challenges of losing a space like Hatbox is you have so many different production companies in working in the space and all of them kind of get to see everybody who's yeah. <laughs> working in the different productions so you start to see a lot of um 
talent and a lot of people coming in and exposed to other people and it makes you want to up your game and really do really great work and to take your work seriously even if you don't take yourself seriously yeah there were a lot of shows where i would go and go where are these people how did i not know these people before how are they hiding under this rock what's happened here and now you you know once you've done it there it's almost like camaraderie almost like a club that you know well and that's one of the things i admire about mark and his work is that he's done a lot of shows with a lot of different companies and in a lot of different venues in the state so he he and i share that that we like to perform in lots of spaces doing my magic work but mm-hmm. him doing theater and he also you know I, I in lots of ways Mark and I have a similar kind of uh, Don Quixote mm-hmm. let's tilt at windmills type <laughs> yeah. of uh, you know what you don't want that you're gonna like it absolutely, I'll tell you. absolutely. You know, how many times have you played Harold Hill I've never played Harold Hill you've never Hill. played Harold Hill oh, I have I have I was, in, I was invited to play Harold Hill yeah, I could and see I, you I as Harold Hill I had to decline Hill. it unfortunately yeah. oh, oh, that would be great Harold Hill you would have been great Harold but, Hill but yeah it's, it's that kind of going uh to a community that maybe uh, doesn't have all of the excitement, doesn't have a motivated energy, and then being able to come in and supply that and get people excited about doing cool stuff and good work and and supporting you know uh, new spaces and new experiences for artists and audience. Yeah. Speaking of that, I think I think we should shift the paradigm here, and because the Hatbox is not officially closed yet, it's still that's in correct. Operation. We have two performances, two performances, and. I really, it's funny, I just, do you remember that, the Christmas cartoon called Toys the Night Before Christmas? It had Joel Gray in it as one of the voices. It was this clockmaker and these mice, this family of mice. One of my favorite Christmas it's cartoons. not the Tim Burton version. No, I, I love Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> this is called uh, Toys the Night Before Christmas. Uh, Joel Gray was one of the lead characters in it. And I made my kids sit down and watch it with me last night because it's my, one of my favorite Christmas cartoons. And in that cartoon, he sing, Joel Gray sings this song called Even a Miracle Needs a Hand. And and honestly, if there was, there are tons of spaces out there, empty spaces, especially right now, right? Tons of com- empty commercial spaces. If we could just find someone who is willing to to give a home to the Hatbox Theater, yeah, you know, for a reduced rate at first, or, or you know, then the Hatbox would live on and and go on to even greater things. That preaches, brother. That preaches. Put a pin in that one. Well, we have to take a break. Yeah, we got to go get some more ribbon candy. You are listening to NH Unscripted, the award-winning, well, soon-to-be award-winning show, I'm telling you. I am your getting happier and handsome host, Ray Dudley, by the minute. So glad to be here with my friends. We are coming to you from the uh, incredibly lavish digs of the WKXL Studios in Concord, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. And for you folks in Manchester, you know it, 101.9 FM. NHTalkRadio.com is the URL. Don't go out there yet. We got two more blocks we got to do. Be back. I wanted to apologize for eating all of the hazelnuts from your nut bowl. Dang that, man. I was trying to find out who did that. Too many teardrops for one heart to be crying. Yeah, that's 96 tears by the question mark and the Mysterians. I got them in my DNA. Every time I hear that organ, baby, I come alive. You are listening to, yeah, you know it. Say it with me. 
and age unscripted. Yes, I can hear the confetti now falling from the sky. I am your host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the incredibly, incredibly opulent digs of the WKXL Studios, buried deep in the side of the mountain here. We are coming to you from 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. Both of those are Concord-based. 101.9 FM in Manchester. I do want to give a shout-out real quick to thecastingconnection.net. Good friend of mine, Jeremiah Smith. It is only for people who do theater. Only for people who do theater. It is a website that is actually an aggregator. And you can go out there, thecastingconnection.net, create an account, and you can sort, believe it or not, by region, by state, by cruise, by summer stock, by off-Broadway. You can sort by age. All the audition notices will pop up, tell you how much money the job is worth, where it's happening, what you need for sides. 50 gigs of music is provided to you as well. Jeremiah, nice job. Love you, brother. Just wanted to say that. Mark Mariah. Yes, hello. Andrew Pennard. <coughs> Howdy. We're going deep on the hat box here right now because it needs a new home. It needs a new home. I want to say, I want to say a little personal story before Ooh, we start personal continuing on that. One of the things I'm most grateful to Andrew Pennard for, after I produced and directed 1776, we had a, a post-mortem meeting. And, and at the time, it was the highest grossing show at the hat box and the highest attended show at the hat box. And we're having this postmortem, and Andrew says to me, "You know, you, you know, you're great, you know, good director, but you know, you're you're lacking as a producer, and you have anger management issues." And I remember, I swear to you, I remember standing there, thinking in my head, thinking, "F you, I have anger management issues, Andrew." I'm like, "Who the f do you think you are?" I'm not sure that was in your head, Mark. <laughs> that was some con- some <laughs> constructive so, criticism. So, and at the time, I was I was really upset and angry about it, right? But uh, two years, it was like two years ago. I'm I'm driving home from Laconia. I'm driving back from Laconia. I was up there helping Brian Halpern with something, and just randomly this. This thought pops in my head as I'm driving along the highway, and I thought, I'm like, oh my gosh. That that moment popped in my head. I was like, Andrew's right. I do have anger management issues. <laughs> and so I, I called him up as I'm driving home. I called him up. Hey, Andrew. It's Mark. He's like, hey, Mark. I'm like, Andrew, remember that during that postmortem when you told me I have anger management issues? And he's like, I know. I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, 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 Andrew. Don't apologize. He wasn't really sorry. I said, I'm not going to tell uh, you. <laughs> but I said, Andrew, I said, thank you, because... I do have anger management issues. I just realized that. And it, it <laughs> took you telling me to my face that I have anger management issues. So thank you for having the balls to tell me to my face that I have anger management issues. Because I've been working on it ever since I realized he was right. I've been working on it ever since. And my kids and wife, thank you. Oh well, I, I like to think I delivered it more gently than that. <laughs> yeah, we know better. <laughs> Come on. I, I, it's it's that's just us. Yeah, we know better than that. Sometimes it's really good to be able to uh, be close enough to somebody to to, you know, speak, you know, at least your perceived truth yeah. and in the hope of being helpful. Absolutely. And again, I was, you know, concerned at the time because I know that it upset you. Um, but I also know that the, you know, the hope was that at some point it would resonate. And we're great friends. And I, so. I, mean, I honestly, I tell that story to a lot of people um, because, because you know what? There are a lot of people out there these days that have anger management issue mm-hmm. problems. You tell that to your counselor a lot now? Uh, yeah. yeah. I think that explains why nobody calls me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's 
going to tell us the truth. God knows we don't want that. You know, isn't that sad that people, there are people that get mad at you for telling the truth? Um, like, yeah. But look, you can the, be kind, and it's important. Yeah. To be yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, so, look, we it's, it's theater, and so yeah, we all yeah. have these fragile egos. Yeah, and whenever yeah. we do something, we think it's there, someone's going to shower <laughs> us with, with accolades. Come on, let's admit it. And when you're going and you're waiting with bated breath to hear somebody say, you did a great job, and they just crap all over you. Well, I think I had lots of good things to say. He but, did. He did. But timing is everything. And sometimes when you're at that throw, if I've learned anything over the years of, of seeing, I've, I'm the person who's seen every yeah, show at the Hatbox, yeah. and I've learned to not say anything um, that could huh. be perceived as critical when people are during a run, because the yeah, last yeah. thing people need to, you know, when you're in the middle of performing something, is to have somebody point out something that now all of their focus is on that one thing <laughs> instead of the total experiencing of being immersed in it. So, you know, I have learned and, and grown as a performer thanks to feedback from others as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Obi-Wan, you kill me. <laughs> At any rate, let's talk about uh, places mm, truth yeah, I should. and the importance of places. <laughs> I wanted to tell you, I had George Kelly in here the other day, and um, and I wanted to bring this up because not only are our productions um, impacted, but the Granite Playwrights. I mean, you've got people who mm -hmm. that, that was their sole yes, venue. Yes, right. Now, what do they do now? I mean, where are they going to go? Where do you? Where could a, a, a group go who's going to write a brand new play? I mean, brand new. There are other places in the state that accept new work. And yeah, I think some that, bar. Well, no, I, no, I think like the Players Ring yeah, Players in Portsmouth has been. They've open. changed a lot of their stuff, haven't they? They have changed their business model. They're mainly producing ninety percent of their own stuff, mm -hmm. but they still go through a pitch process where you can come and you know make recommendations about productions. Uh, but their model has changed. Yeah. I mean, they're really producing <clears throat> stuff, and they really have um, a, a, a bigger thumb on the scale, the creative scale, so to speak. That's one <clears throat> of the things that. Uh, you know, I think is most important about Hatbox is mm -hmm. that we support productions Absolutely. by trying to provide a space that is conducive to yeah. them realizing their dreams. And we try very hard not to put a thumb on the yeah, scale. Yeah, it's not just supporting. You, get, you support artists and performing artists, theater artists. And and it really, I, I didn't know that the Players Ring had changed their um, their structure. But so really, Hatbox is losing the Hatbox is such a big blow to the to the New Hampshire theater community. Huge. Because it's, it's so many it's artists. It's bigger than most people, I think, realize. Mm -hmm. oh, I, yeah. I, honestly, I believe that. I yeah, really do. I do, too. Well, as I a venue, too. we definitely, I mean, when you're doing 175 performances a year, 20 productions a year, there are other venues that do that, but they don't necessarily coordinate that. You know, I think of, like, the Dairy Opera House, which is a wonderful resource for that region, and you can rent that space, but the process mm -hmm. of getting into mm -hmm. and renting the space, yeah. what <coughs> they have on hand. That's yeah. another great thing about what Andrew set up with the hat box is you didn't have to come in and rent the space and pay, you know, here's, you need to pay this. For, you shared in the the ticket sale profits and so it really like you were just saying it it was the only place for a lot of you know independent theater artists and smaller theatrical groups um so it's really important that we 
that we band together and find the hat find a hat the Hatbox Theater a new home. And um, it well, was the great news was it was this hub for all these little theater groups that had no home. Mm-hmm. They 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 work their hearts out. They create plays. They they cast them. They they put them up. But they need a home because they there's just not enough places for people to perform. Mm-hmm. Well, Hatbox was always an idea first. You know, it was uh, about building community and providing a space that they could do it in that uh, if that we would be sharing the risks as well as the rewards with organizations. And we it was important to us to provide space for original and new works and for up-and-coming theater companies that couldn't afford to either produce shows in a large venue um, or to, you know, because it's not just about the cost of rent, it's also what it costs to fill the space. You know, production values in a 800-seat space, you have a lot bigger production costs getting to that point, and the licensing is much higher. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of different factors. But I like to think that, you know, the idea of Hatbox is being utilized in different places. The mill space in Newmarket is a good example. They're tr- they have reached out to us and are trying to use some of the Hatbox model uh, to uh, how how they conduct business there. And realistically, Hatbox is, while this venue is going away, there is a, a couple of teams of people who are looking at how to continue to offer some of the offerings from the rest of our ninth season and also look at you know full-time spaces moving forward. So we have a number of spaces that are under consideration. Uh, part of it is, is whether we can afford them or not based on our current revenue model. Um, we are my, uh, in the process of uh, migrating to a not-for-profit status, which would hopefully uh, give us more access to different types of funding. But, you know, uh, as anyone who's worked with a not-for-profit knows, sometimes you end up putting a lot of the revenue that comes in into hiring staff to be able to meet the requirements of the grants and foundations and funding that you're getting. I'm not saying it's going to be a bad thing. I think it's probably a great thing because it it increases the... uh, you know, the awareness of the public at large and gives you a certain credibility that, mm-hmm. you know, most people think if you're a performing arts venue, you have to be a not-for-profit. Yeah. And we've shown that that's not yeah. the case, yeah. but... All right. Hang on, hang on, hang, 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 hang on, Sloopy. It's time for us to go get some Carnation Instant Breakfast and Sanka. We've reached that point. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your lovable host. Very, very huggable, by the way, Ray Dudley. We are coming from you to you from the uh, deep within the bunkers, historic bunkers, I might add, of the WKXL Studios in Concord. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. That's on my transistor radio. And 101.9 FM in Manchester. The URL for those who you need it. NHTalkRadio.com. Yeah, get on your phone. No, don't go out there yet. We're coming back. We got one more block to do. that somewhere one time that's why we exist nh unscripted i am you're not losing any weight this season host ray dudley yep 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 you know why bonomo turkish taffy i'm eating all the candy lint chocolates i am a pig we are coming to you 
from the incredible spa-like conditions of the WKXL Studios in Concord. You can find us 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. And for you folks in Manchester, 101.9 FM as well. Our URL is nhtalkradio.com where you can find all of the archives. There's a live button so you can listen to us live every day. Our show, NH Unscripted, comes to you 9 AM on Wednesdays and Friday mornings. Andrew Pernard is with me. Mark Murai is with me. We are chatting. Well, about a lot of things, basically. Um, mainly about the hat box. Andrew, what did you say you're doing? Your last show is when? The last performance, performance in our current venue is on January 10th at 7.30 p.m. We'll be doing one final performance of Discovering Magic, uh, and that'll be the final show. Um, there is talk about having kind of a private event, kind of recognizing the people who really have built the community, mm-hmm. um, but that uh, is still being built. But we do have, uh, we are going to continue some performances outside of uh, the space. In fact, uh, I've already uh, talked with United Shoe Repair right down <laughs> on Main Street here in Concord. Do tell. And yeah, they have a wonderful huh. storefront with a repair in the back, but it's nice and open in the front. And I've known the family for years, the Anna Caricos. Well, you might recognize that name from the I music do. theater. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I've talked with uh, DJ, who's the owner of the business there, and we're going to take Discovering Magic on the Road. My wife suggested calling it the Hatbox Annex at the Shoebox. Yeah. Uh, so, I we're going to do I Discovering Magic uh, in that space for one, at least one performance in February. Uh, and then we're going to be looking. Looking at other venues to try to do some of the programming that was on season nine. We're not sure yet, and we haven't finalized all those plans, but you can be sure we'll come and let you know about it. Your tagline could be something's afoot. Oh, that's a show I've done twice. Oh, man. (laughs) I like that. Get your shoes repaired while you watch some magic. (laughs) And people will be able to find out information about the changing season and the updates as far as where performances are and when performances are by going to hatboxnh.com. Thank you. Hatboxnh.com will have that information on an ongoing basis. So people who want to come and support the Mm -hmm. work that we're doing or Mm -hmm. to help us find a new venue, Mm -hmm. um, we would love to uh, talk with you and see if we can make it. I bet you would. Yeah, baby. Come Mm -hmm. on, folks. Folks, come on, this can't be that difficult, right? Our listening audience, somebody out there has a place, a home. Or you know somebody that does, or you work someplace where you know there's this perfect performance space waiting to be used. Uh, Mark, what are you up to? What's what's on your schedule coming up? uh, I will be producing and producing, maybe directing, I'm hoping to bring in a director uh, for a production called Yours Anne which is a musical telling of the Diary of Anne Frank. Um, I directed a production at Manchester Community Theater Players back in 2014, and it had been a show that I'd been wanting to do for a long, long time. The composer, Michael Cohen, the composer of the music for the show, came up from New York City to see see the production. He was really impressed, um, impressed enough to where he is willing to work with me to get the film rights to yours, Anne. Uh, not not turning it into like an indie film, but like in the style of Hamilton and, and um, you know, Passing Strange and Come From Away, you're filming, the filming of a live theatrical production. So he's, um, he's going to be helping me secure the film rights for that. In the meantime, we're going to be putting the show on at St. A's in Goffstown in 2024. Wow. Okay. Hang on. I'm having an aneurysm. 
There's a musical a musical about Anne Frank. I hate calling it a musical about Anne you Frank. You did though. It sounds wrong. I said a musical telling. Uh-huh, it's, uh-huh. It's a, and it, it sounds, Hang on, I'm bleeding when, when the you, brain. Hang on, I'm bleeding the brain. When you first hear it, it sounds very wrong, but the show is just I thought the so same thing about Titanic. I say tap dancing Nazis. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but <laughs> no, it's, it's a beautiful show, and and it's it's just people don't know it because it was written, it premiered off-Broadway in 1988, I think, and it was ahead of its time. Yeah. I mean, if it had come out today, it would be a big hit. But How did you find out about that? I attended the Pacific Conservatory for the Performing Arts, PCPA, in Santa Maria, California. And during my second year of training there, it was one of the productions. So it was, we worked alongside equity actors, and, and the, the equity people taught our courses and our classes. It was two years of intensive actor training. Um, they put on the theater we were working at attending school at put on a production of it and ever since i saw it i was like i love this show and i'm i want to direct it someday and so i finally got that opportunity and yeah and hopefully i'll have the opportunity again here soon so when would that be when do you say that was you know what it's currently on the calendar for end of march but i think TBD. we might we might push that out a little because i'm the film rights are taking a little longer you know what i really admire about mark is that he has a tendency to um, find interesting projects and dig into them and then explore them again in other venues and in different spaces. You may not know this, but Mark is an Emmy Award winning filmmaker. You know, well. funny you mentioned that. <laughs> funny you mentioned that. I think that's that. important. But he, he digs his it teeth is important. and looks for, um, you know, to mine the emotional resonance of a piece and the storytelling aspects of a piece in a way. And he's not s- satisfied to do it once. A lot of us, you know, in the especially in the community theater world, people are like, all right, we've done that. We don't ever have to do that again. Right. But, you you know, Mark really does try to look at what can I improve, what can I try and do better, how can I explore this in a different way, how does the space impact the telling of a story, and that's one of the things I've always admired about you. Thank Mark, you, I appreciate you that. Those. Well, like 1776, my original plan was to have it be an ant, like a touring production every July 4th. It would perform in a different town town hall around the state. Um, that was my original plan. That would be great. It's such you know that show talking about what live theater does for a community. What I love about that show is every single audience member leaves the theater not feeling like I'm proud to be a Democrat or I'm proud to be a Republican or I'm proud to be an independent. Everyone leaves the show, the theater, feeling proud to be an American. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you were shoehorning people in there. I'm telling you. <laughs> it was it was awesome. It was, it was awesome. wall to wall and, people. And we committed to doing it in July yep. so that it was, uh, yep. you know, we, it was Hot all about sweaty. the verisimilitude. We yeah. wanted to have everybody sweating along with the legislators. So. And, and the director or the actors were directed to actually interact with the audience. Like when they were, when they were. You know, debating something, they they could look right at an audience member as if the, the audience member was part of the Second Continental. If Congress. I remember correctly, in the show, in the performance, <coughs> I was—I don't know if this was uh, every performance—but mm-hmm. one of the actors actually handed his cane to one of the, yeah to, yeah it was probably yeah. Ben the Franklin cast yeah yes. yeah well Cash we made yeah. we made a, a, a again I don't this is something that I think came out of the experience and what was available yes. at Hatbox there's at one point they're having a slave auction 
and you know I oh, was yeah. I lit the yep. show, uh, and I I've turned, been lit in a few shows. Well, I turned the we had moving lights that we used in the space, and what I did is I lit up the side banks of the audience in red light, and really put a focus on uh, the character who was conducting the auction, and so the people on the sides were look like seeing the their people across them mm-hmm. as if they were there yeah. attending the auction Ooh, and buying yeah. stuff, and it really for those people who weren't lit in the main bank, it was a particularly haunting experience. But the ones who were lit didn't realize they were lit, <laughs> and they were looking across at these other people going, oh, my gosh, this is – you know, it, it was a haunting, uh, very uh, – it had such an impact. And again, because of the proximity and because mm-hmm. of the, you know, kind of significant choices Mark made in terms of direction and working with actors and letting the actors have their leads, it was one of – for me, one of the more powerful pieces. Dude, for people Thank who don't know, there's 26 men in that, right? Is that right? 20, 24, 24, I think, is what we yeah. had on yeah. stage. yeah. yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it really was packed. Yeah. It was yeah. just and the you were you did in the audience. You did feel like you were yeah. a part of. Yeah. You were watching this and going to be a part of the vote, you know, and all that. Yeah. And and using the vomes and all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was just incredible. Thank I mean, you. it was really really impressive. Well, and talking about theater, so you know, I was trying asking myself why am I so passionate about these projects and about live theater, and and it's because truly theater saved my life and I know it saves other people's lives and um, just recent last year a little over a year ago um, I had a I had a very public very big mental health breakdown um, in front of a church congregation in Bedford and that was being live streamed (gasps) I am I can be the the poster child for mental mental illness um, sorry, sorry, so sorry. it, but I'm, I'm doing hundred percent better today. And part of my recovery process, um, was I, I sat there thinking, what do I need to do to, you know, get myself well again and theater doing theater came to the top of the list. And so I, in what way, I, how does that therapeutic, when you're you working out? together, especially in a musical, the show that I came out, so I had quit acting years ago. And so the first show I auditioned for and got into was um, The Hunchback of Notre Dame at the Actor Singers. And I just wanted to be in the ensemble because such a beautiful show, beautiful music. And that whole process, the whole experience was so healing for my soul, for my mental health. Um, yeah, so it, oh, it really man, does. And what a great point to end on. Andrew, throw us a URL real quick there, buddy. You can go to hatboxnh.com to find out more information and to uh, join the community. I mean, a lot of this is about building and finding a community and being a part of it. Correct. Every show is that opportunity to immerse yourself. Absolutely. My guest today, Emmy Award winning Mark Murai. I gotta get that in. And my friend Andrew Pernard from the Hatbox. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your so grateful host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the spa-like conditions of the bunkers of the WKXL studios buried deep in the heart of Concord. On a mountaintop. On <laughs> <laughs> 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM Manchester. Now you can go out to nhtalkradio.com. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>